Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Scanner Podcast. Co-owner of HitWorks just outside of Newcastle, um, England, is Peter Collins. So I think as many of you know, I am a big advocate for high-intensity training, um, the roots of where it came from, and those people who actually take the time to learn the tradition of high-intensity training. And uh, so I know that um, I follow a lot of a lot of people who do high intensity training on Instagram, and as soon as I came across HitWorks, it was like, you know, right after the follow came, hey, well, you need to be on the podcast. So, anyway, uh, I'm I'm excited to hear how Peter uh, translates all of of the Hit uh, principles to the people he works with. So, Peter, thanks for joining us. I know it's late where you are. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. So jump in a little bit and tell us a little more about who you are, how you found HIT training, and then uh, a little bit more about HIT works. Uh, <clears throat> I started training like most people at a very early age, I think. Um, going to strength training, stroke weight training from, from around 13 years of age. I actually got into it by accident, as I think a lot of people do. By your, um, I, was, I, I got into boxing and the I, I was instructed to to start to become stronger i wasn't very fast on my feet but i was a bit of a, i was a, i was a slugger i could um i could throw a punch and probably t- take a beating i would, would be fair to say so <laughs> that's that's how it started for me um and, and from there I, I was told to weight train and, and we got into that and then that took off really um a cousin uh, a family relative of mine um, started training and, and took me with him and I, I fell under his wing and um, I didn't realize it at the time but the, the, the kind of training that he was following um, was, was similar to that of high intensity strength training and then it just took off from there. Um, the, the, the training itself took over more. I was more interested in the stimulus from that than actually any sporting activity. Uh, then the rest is history, really. Um, we started training at a commercial gyms. Um, I did okay. Um, always knew that I had an interest in... The most important element of it for me was drug-free training. So yep. um, that, that continued. And then I changed careers in my, uh, in my early 20s. And then... I realized that I needed to change the environment in which I trained. So I was fortunate enough to be able to start training from home. So we we built our equipment up from there. And then it garnered interest from from others. And I was always very interested. My life, I think like most people in this day and age, was was very busy. And I always wanted to train in a a time-efficient manner, um, but become brutally strong from it, really. 
and that's all I was interested in. Uh, I, I put on muscular size. Um, I, I was aware that I was, I was slightly larger than the, the average non-trained individual. Um, <clears throat> Physique-wise, I would say, I think for us, we, we, in our country, rugby is quite a popular sport. So uh, I think we, myself and my brother, developed physiques that were similar to or atypical of someone who played rugby, as opposed to someone who uh, could later become a bodybuilder. So, so genetically, we, we, we kind of knew where we were heading physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, our, our whole desire was around the actual training element itself, becoming stronger for the sake of becoming stronger to allow you to um, perform tasks easier in your everyday life, in your everyday working life. Um, and that was it, really. And we just took off from there. You know, I, I think you bring up a really good point because I, when, when, I, when I bring people on to talk about um, high-intensity training, I feel like people think that I'm preaching that because I think that's the only way to train. And that's not what I mean at all. I'm, exactly what you said, it's about efficiency. You know, if, if a person is time crunched, um, if they are, you know, looking to, be, to get maximum results in a minimum amount of time, then I really do think that high intensity training is, is definitely the way to go. Um, so tell me a little bit more about how you used to train and then like maybe getting into how you started to show people how to, how to do your current training style. Um, we wouldn't, the, the observations that we made very early on, we were always interested in the research aspect of, of training. Uh, my, my brother's education is in, is in the physiological field. Um, and I had an interest in research also. And we married that with what, what we were experiencing and observing uh, in, in our own private lives and in, in our training environment. We knew our recovery powers were not uh, allowing us to train four, five, six, seven days a week. Right. And that whole, you know, the new, st- the new stand kind of training that you would, that you would read about, uh, you know, training twice a day and four, five, six days a week. It just didn't, it just didn't jive with us. It didn't make sense. And we all, we always kind of, had the view that you should be able to roadmap your training to some degree. And there was no point in just going in and trying to do a few sets of curls and a few sets of leg presses and um, going on the cable machine and, and God knows what else. And, and then coming out of there and feeling pretty, pretty unfulfilled, I would say. I, I couldn't, we never understood that objective. So, our time was, the amount of time that we spent in the gym was nothing compared to the amount of time that we put our heads in the books and trying to observe what was correct. And, and don't forget, I mean, I'm 44 now, so um, this was at a time when, I feel old saying this, but this was at a time, this was, pre, this was pre-internet. So the, the, the kind of legitimate training material that was out there, it, it was few, uh, few far in between, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Fortunately for us, we, we, we came across um, the writings of, of guys like Stuart McRobert, 
who produced a magazine called Hard Gainer. Yep. And then, and then, and as much as I, I love that magazine, what the light bulb moment for me was, I, up until that point, I had heard the name Arthur Jones, and, and I'd read one or two little things about him, never read the Nautilus bulletins or anything like that. But then from, from Hard Gainer, um, I got to know more about Arthur Jones, and more, more importantly for me, someone who I consider to be, although I've never met the guy, and he's, he's got no reason to ever want to speak to me or anything like that, but the, 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 most, the most important guy that I ever got to hear about and read about was um, Dr. Ken Leisner. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, and really, that really started to put the, the, the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together for me and my brother. So, and, and, fr- and it just grew from there. So, so there was that aspect to it. And then, you know, you, 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 you develop your professional life and you, you know that you're working hard and there's other, there's other aspects of your life to contend with and to deal with. And it, it, just, it, just, never, it just never made sense to be in the gym more than you needed to really. If, if you could get what you needed out of it over you know, two to three workouts a week, that weren't lasting any longer than, and this was even at a time when we were in the commercial gym and we were always looking for, 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 for efficiency. So um, I couldn't see how the normal person, the, the average person on the street could train more than two to three times a week with all the other areas of life that you have to contend with. Right. So it, it was really born out of necessity as much as it was design, you know? Yeah. And that makes that makes total sense. And I think that's the best way to approach things. Like you, you know, obviously I I spend a lot of time on this podcast discussing you know the most efficient ways to train and how to get the most out of it. And I know there is a place for like, you know, the two a day training and and things like that. Even though you know I, I don't agree with you know what it does to your body long term. But yeah. when you're talking about you know developing the best possible meat wagon. <laughs> that you that you can in the minimal amount of time then you know two to three days a week most people can dedicate that to you know and we're talking about 20 30 minutes of of hard work and um and it's a big payoff to that it's funny that you you bring up dr ken because all the you know even though i've never met him and again same as you he'd have no reason to talk to me either but uh joel wayne scott who owns mission five fitness that i train out of he was trained by Dr. Ken. So like there's all of these weird connections that I started to make, you know, doing this podcast and talking about hit training because it's like a, it's like a, almost like a brotherhood, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and yeah, he, so, but I've actually tried to get a hold of him before and he's a very hard man to get a hold of because he's like off the grid and you know you can't like send him an email because there's really no email and he's got like a facebook page but it might not be him i don't i don't even know how to get a hold of the guy if i wanted to um yeah i, I mean i i think i understand the reasons why that probably is the case that i mean the, he, he's one of a few people who i would say you know kind of have legendary status within the hit ranks yeah but rightly or wrongly we're in a stage now where within the hit community, if you want to call it that, uh, there's too much infighting and everyone, everyone assigns um, currency to what they have to say. So everyone's trying to put across their, their USP in order to maximize how much money they earn, which mm, is, yeah. 
and it's it's who it's who's who shouts the loudest and it happens in every walk of life but it's it's frustrating nonetheless and and really training should just be productive it, we, we should be creating a stimulus not not practicing the skill and the most important thing i think for for your listeners really it should be that consistency uh, over time is is what is key work hard be consistent and do something that you can you can get in the gym consistently you know once or twice a week um over over the most of the training year that you can and and that if, if you do that, that that's that's the the nuts and bolts of training really it's being consistent it, it's not about having weeks where you you can go away hey i i train for um two hours per day for four five six days a week and then having a month off that's that's no no use to you or anyone else you want to try if you say i can dedicate you know um i, I mean I, I have the benefit of training in a private facility so i, I including warm-ups i'm done usually within 30 35 minutes max um the people that i train uh, they complete their routines within the same kind of same time period so we have that benefit but if you're in a commercial gym and you've got to share pieces of equipment or uh, what have you then you know it may, it may well take a little bit longer but you know surely people are in if surely people are in an environment where they can say well i can dedicate two hours of time per week to training and and if if the light bulb goes off with that and they can then they're going to have good results they're going to yield what they want to yield from it if they're consistent Right. Consistency over time equals success. That's yes. 100% true. Uh, Bringing inside, you know, that person's individual intensity, because a, a person's in, intensity is going to look different from like, you know, yourself or mine. But yeah, you know, our job, our job, our job as coaches, I think, um, as trainers, is to get that little extra effort out of that individual. You know, like we can, we can see something different happening, because we know what it feels like. And when that person is on like, let's say the pullover or the leg press and they are just, they think in their mind, they are, they are at their, their wits end. they are, that's it. I don't have anything left, but if you can coach, you can, you know what it feels like, you know exactly what's going on in their head and you can tell them all you have to do is get that one more rep. You got 16 last time. Let's aim for 17. And that person just knowing that, you know, what the intensity looks like, they can get past that one rep. And it makes the feel, it, uh, it, I mean, that's, that's success. I mean, that, that's success. And that's, you know, we're not talking about anything. Absolutely. This is not like reinventing the wheel here. This is saying you did X amount of weight at this repetition last time. Let's just try, try to get one rep better. I mean, it's, and it, it's as simple as that sometimes. It really is. And um, to, to, I remember Drew Israel from talking with um, on with Bob Whelan. Yeah, and the, and I mean they're you know two big, strong, powerful guys, and and they used to summarize it. This is simple stuff. We we try to turn it into rocket science. Yeah, the, science, the sciences can be applied, and the sciences are important, and we are going to make new discoveries. However, um, the bread and butter of it is that, that this is simple stuff. Train it in, is. Train to create a stimulus, be progressive, work hard, get out of the gym. Rest and get and on with it. Yeah, rest right. and recover. Exactly. No, that's it. And the, and the reality is, you know, 
the the fitness industry it's become what a multi-billion dollar industry and people yeah. think they need to keep reinventing the wheel but the sad fact is the thing that we don't get across to people is there's nothing to reinvent it's it's actually quite boring stuff it's there's nothing new it's all yeah. been it's all it's all been done all of it and yep just be consistent be progressive push hard aim to get stronger and you will achieve great things yeah it's like the people now that are uh, all jacked up about kettlebells like kettlebells haven't been around for hundreds of years yes exactly you know? yeah. uh, or, or you know the, the oldest recorded i mentioned this on the podcast too so i i, I say that because i'm sure people are tired of hearing it but you know the earliest earliest recording of a dumbbell is like in the 1300s you know the, these things like it, and people who get down on like using machines because they're they're old and outdated. I'm like, you do you realize they're actually the newest pieces of material that we have to use? Like they're not that old. Machines are not that old. There are some machines that are better than others, I think, for certain yeah. applications. But Definitely. yeah, but but again, it's it's um no matter how how a person is training, and I, I would highly recommend using machines, barbells and dumbbells before most things. Um just because you know it, it, they're most of the time they could be used safely, especially machines. I think people really overlook that. You can get hurt in any kind of apparatus if you use it incorrectly. Anyway, if you just focus on using an implementation to get the stimulus, like you've been saying, then you're doing you're you're ahead of the curve, right? <laughs> if if you if you have like a goal in mind and you have a plan laid out, then and you can execute it to to generate some kind of a response from your body, you're in the right direction. Um, they're, all, they're all just, uh, uh, my brother and I are very fond of saying that they, they are just tools. And you, yeah. you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to use the right tool when you can, but if you don't have that tool, there's always something similar. And I think so too. Just pick a tool out of the toolbox, go with it, use it to the best of your ability, safely. Yep. So going along with that, can you give us an example of what a basic workout might look like for either you or maybe a, a client that's just being introduced to, to HIIT training? Well, well the first thing, we, we, I've got a mixture of clients now. And for, at this moment in time, I think, I think what I should let you know is that we, I train people from my home as we speak. Um, and it's, um, we're about to open a new facility uh, shortly. And it's, it's, I'm combining forces with my brother. But um, so this is something I do from home at the minute. It's, it's, um, it's, been a, it's been a passion for a long time. So, but with that in mind, the first thing that we need to establish is whether they are able-bodied or are they carrying injuries? Um, is there something that we need to know about them? Uh, have, they got a, have, they, have they got clearance from, from the doctor, from the nurse? Um, at this minute in time, my client base um, usually is uh, emergency services personnel. Mm -hmm. So I'm always dealing with someone who's got some kind of strain or muscular imbalance or some kind of injuries from, from their work. Um, so that's the first thing that we establish. Um, but by and large, the routines are pretty similar. It's just whether they're injured or not which will dictate how we apply that stimulus. So we, we generally use a, an all, a full body routine. Yep. 
Um, I have some clients who literally just train once a week. Um, that's not necessarily down to the fact that it's the correct dosage for them or, or that I'm against people training more because I'm not. I have no problem if people want to train two or three times a week. But again, it's the practical issues of life that get in the way and that, that impede them from being able to train any further or, or during, the, during the week. So I have some clients who train once a week. I have some clients who train twice a week. Um, I've got one or two who train three times a week and I'm, I'm one of them. Um, but in terms of the actual training itself, it's, it's, it's just your average push-pull system, a balanced routine. So, you know, if you do a horizontal pull, you do a horizontal push. If you do a vertical pull, you do a vertical push. Um, so, and you're just making sure that that routine is as simplistic as possible so that they can focus on training as hard as possible. And by, by design, because of how hard they train, the routine will be brief. And they can average between, depending on the individual, um, I've got some people who are built like apes, and I've got others who are a little more fragile, and, but ultimately they, they all have to improve. From whatever their starting point is, they all have to improve. Um, and, and it's just generally that. So it's just a push-pull system, training the whole body as a system. Because, um, we, you know, the old adage of we, we, don't, um, we, we don't just train our arms one day or train our legs the next day. It's just, there's no point. You're just, you're just depleting your system all the time. You're, yeah. deplete, you're depleting your recovery. Um, so you don't eat breakfast for your arms. You don't, eat, um, you don't eat lunch for your legs and so on and so forth. It's, it's about systemic recovery and systemic fatigue. So we train our body as a full system, and it may, we, we generally train legs first, although it's not a hard and fast rule, depending on the person, right. and then we work, we work our way down. So routine, we tend to have an A and a B routine, just for, I don't always think it's um, about physiological stimulus, I think there's, an, there's a psychological element, and again, if you've been consistent and you're training um, year in, year out, um, you need it. Some people need variety. I certainly am one of them, although I, I don't change the routine um, often, but we, we, for, the sake, for the sake of variety, we do like an A and a B routine. So the first day tends to be around the squat for the legs, um, the daddy of all exercise, full stop. You can, people can discuss leg pressing till the cows come home, but um, if you can squat and you can squat safely, then you should. Um, for those that are familiar with Dr. Ken, they'll not be of any surprise that we follow um, for, for, for the lower limbs. We follow um, a higher repetition routine, yep. so that there's less force on the on the skeletal structure. Um, but we, we push it hard, and I would argue with anyone that high reps, high rep squatting or high rep leg press, uh, leg work, leg pressing, whatever it may be is um, metabolically more demanding and psychologically harder than just using a, a, a low repetition scheme for the same limbs. Um, we, we then tend to move on to just the, the push-pull for the upper body after that, really. And then, uh, so it could be, um, what, what, let's see, what do we do? The, the, uh, we do pull-ups. Pull Hopefully, we get point, people to the point where they're progressive with... Um, additional resistance around the waist. 
And then they may well do, um, they'll do dips. And again, same thing, do, they, get, they have to get to the point where they dip in progressively with additional resistance around their waist. And then from there, they go into, um, we use a leverage ropes, um, akin to the original, the one that we use is um, a hammer row. And then after that, we then go to bench press and we make the bench press as hard as we can. We, we've got some heavy chain that we have attached and it's, it's a whole thing about the strength curve and having links being lifted as you push further away, as you extend your arms. Right. Yeah. So we, we use that. And then from the bench press, we go to, um, what do we go there? We then go to pull down. And we've got it. We use a nitro pull down, and we do we do it a set to fill your nut, and then we do a descending set, and then and that's pretty much it. The people are usually cooped. Uh, the the one or two young bulls that I have who, who can tolerate a little bit more exercise, they tend to do um, a one leg squat or stroke lunge on the. Um, we've got a hammer deadlift machine, and they tend to do that, and that 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 finishes them off. They they can't yeah. tolerate anything after that. Um, and then workout B is leg press uh, for higher repetitions with a drop, with a drop set. Um, again, and, and, and all the while, all these sets have to be progressive, you know, so you, you're always looking to beat. If, if all of the things being equal, so form, cadence, um, things like that, as, as long as they're good, um, they have to be progressive with their load. Right. With, with with the amount of weight they are using, it has to increase. Um, so we go from leg press to, to a deadlift. Um, again, no surprises. We, we tend to favor the, the stiff leg variant. And we, we like the 15 to 20 rep range for that. And then really, but, but, I mean, by the time you're, um, you've done a, you, by the time you've trained your legs in that manner, and if you've done it correctly, you, you, you're kind of gasping for air. Yep. So we then switch to, upper body and I put more preference on um, shoulder work so heavy heavy shoulder pressing and we've got a we've got a log bar that we like to use so it, it um, I, I don't know if you've seen the uh, um, the log bars where your hands are newble and, and then front the the they start off in front of you but as you as you complete the movement and and as it comes up towards over your head there's, there's basically less internal, um, less internal rotation on the humerus. So right. Yeah. In theory, it doesn't aggravate your shoulder joint as much, um, rather than using a, a kind of Olympic bar, you know. So, and then we do um, we do a drop set on that, and then we for some people we we may well do um, dumbbell upright rows, which are done very smoothly and without any kind of rest or respite at the bottom. And then from there, we move to the hammer pullover, um, a set of, again, a set of failure, um, possibly then a drop set, depending on the individual and, and what, what volume of exercise they can tolerate. And then we move to, um, they do some kind of arm work, um, the vanity work, as we like to call it. So they'll, they'll do some kind of, um, dumbbell curl or barbell curl, depending on their preference. And we'll throw in some, again, some more dips 
and um, that pretty much finishes them off. Or we'll do some kind of dumbbell shoulder press too. And then if anyone's trying to be, if, if I think anyone's not worked as hard as they should, then they, they have to go back and leg press again. <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's, that's, the general, that's the general theme. It, it's just a push-pull system, making sure that um, there's no weak link. Um, yep. we, throw in, we throw in some grip work, some calf work, um, neck work, um, which shouldn't be neglected. Nope. And, um, and, and that's really it. That's really it. And that's all you need. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about um, performing grip work. And yeah, I know some people, and, and, and training the neck also, because that's obviously super important. I think people overlook that because they're, they think, well, you know, I'm not an athlete. I'm not a football player, so I don't need to do neck work. And I just ask them, like, how often are you in your car? You think when you get hit by a car, that's, you know, any different than a football player getting hit over and over and over? No, it's probably worse. So, you know, if anybody drives a car or is involved in any kind of, you know, transportation like that, training the neck is just as important, I think. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think anyone who – and I think there's a lot of research getting done on, on the uh, – not just on – Training the cylinder and improving the cylinder, i.e. the neck, um, the and, and and what concussive force can do if you have a weak neck, but uh, but in terms of what, what's happening to your brainstem and how you're feeding the brain and blood flow and things of that nature, I think there's um there's quite a bit of work showing that concentration levels improve and um, you know things like that. So th th there's there are there is research in development over things like that. Um, you don't do not neglect network. It's very important. And again, the, the, bear in mind the kind of clientele that I, that I train. Again, emergency service personnel. Um, the, there are a lot. There are a lot of impact forces placed on them, and the neck. The neck is a primary area of concern. So, so yeah, we. we that's high on the list. It's, it's high on the on the pecking order for us. So uh, one thing that you didn't mention, do you uh, for for that the neck and the shoulder area? Do you ever concentrate on a shrug of some kind? We do, we do. Um, what we try to do most, first and foremost, is get the most bang from the book, bang for the book from right. okay. the exercise that we deliver. Um, we, if people train a th three-day week, then I would have the neck, the grip work, and um, some kind of shrug in that supplementary workout. We, I would consider that to be a supplementary workout. Um, so. It, it, it doesn't, I find that it doesn't, it's my personal belief that it doesn't impact too much on your recovery ability of the other two workouts. And you, you can get away with it, you can do it. Um, if, if I've got someone who um, can't fit that third workout in, but then exercises are important to them at that given time, then, then we will we'll incorporate them somehow. It may well be that we, we delete sets from something else, and incorporate them instead, and that comes down to the the individual tapering of the of, of that person, you know. And I think that's where you have to that's where you have to customize and understand your client. But it's very important. Yep, I think so too. I I even go so far sometimes, and I think you kind of hit on it. You know, for we're in a workout, um, and I have a I have a variety of thirty between thirty minute appointments, which I prefer and uh hour appointments so and depending on the person too but the very end of the workout sometimes i'll just say all right well we have to hit biceps triceps so here are your choices 
Yeah. And, and I kind of let them pick. Like, hey, if they like barbell, great, let's do barbell. If they want to do a manual exercise, great, let's do manual. Um, yeah. You know, or, or whatever the tool is. Absolutely. Well, if, if they've done the meat and the bones of the, of the program, then, yep. then why, why not? You know, um, I had a discussion about this a long while ago because there are people who follow HIT and, and who are um, obsessive about delivering a very specific routine and you should not deviate for it. And the, and the reason, and they'll go on to great lengths to explain why you shouldn't deviate. But, and, and there's some, to be, once we get the new facility, there are actually some things that we're going to do that are outside of HIT or that won't conform to the, the HIT purists. Um, and that's okay. That's fine. As long as, and as, again, my opinion is as long as these things can be done safely, then there's yeah. no problem with that. But the, the point I'm trying to make is you've, you've got to do what's right for the body. But again, if you're doing this week in, week out, year in, year out, you've got to be able to, you've, you've got to give the mind some things that it wants also. And, and if someone wants to come in and they, and they want to do that extra set of, arm work or tricep work or um you know uh, some form of forearm work neck work uh, or calf whatever the angle it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter G give it to them do it the same way apply the stimulus the same way do it safely do it hard do it progressive but allow them to do them things what there's, there's no harm in that and in that way you've got a happy client who yep. can be consistent and um, develop develop their body the way they want it to develop. Exactly. Because that doesn't take away – like you're no less of a coach or a trainer if you – you know, I mean, obviously you're developing a relationship with that person. So when that person asks, hey, you mind if we hit biceps one more time? Like you standing up and saying, no, here's why we only do one or two sets. Like that, that doesn't do anybody any good. Like – you know, but we, we all know that doing one extra set more than likely isn't going to cripple that person. So it, yeah, there, there, there's definitely a balance or definitely some education that goes in behind it. But you know, if they're working as hard as they should be, they're probably not going to ask you for that extra set. <laughs> Very true. Very yeah. True. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I think what you guys are doing over there is awesome. And I'd love to have uh, you and your, your brother back on, well, once you get the other place up and running, I think that'd be really cool to see what else you guys have implemented and, and uh, you know, what, what it's like to take on a different beast. Anytime, no problem at all. That would be awesome. Peter, I appreciate it. I know it's late there. Go get some rest and uh, get back to it tomorrow, okay? We'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, Get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor. 